Hello, I'm Dale Gentry, and welcome to the Disciple Science Podcast. I am an ecologist and a Christian, and I find great joy and harmony in my life exploring science, studying birds, and in following Jesus. I started Disciple Science to help people connect with God through nature, and I'm delighted that you're here to join me and occasional guests as we explore the intersection of science and Christian faith. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Okay, so we are fortunate today to be joined by Tori Goebel, who is the uh, national organizer and spokesperson for Young Evangelicals for Climate Action, sometimes YECA. You might abbreviate that a little bit today. She holds an undergraduate degree in communications and political science from Gordon College and a master's of environmental law and policy from the Vermont Law School. Tori spent four years as communications director for the Young Evangelicals for Climate Action and for the Evangelical Environmental Network, which are sort of partner ministries. And she's now working, of course, focused on YECA. She has a passion for political organizing and for policy advocacy. She was born and raised in New England and currently lives in the Boston area. Tori, it's so nice of you to join us today. Thanks for being on the Disciple Science Podcast. Dale, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. So, um, of course, had you on because of your role with YECA, which I think is a, a, an organization that's really fascinating and doing um, wonderful and, and important things. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit before we get into the nuts and bolts of, of, your, of your work, a little bit about your own background and what interested you in climate action and maybe a little bit of your religious background and how you identify as a young evangelical as well. So, so I grew up in a wonderful conservative Christian home, going to church. I went to a non-denominational evangelical Pentecostal church. That was a huge part of my upbringing. I loved going to church. It was where my social circle was. And we spent a lot of time talking about mission work and loving our neighbors at home. We recycled. We went out and explored the beautiful landscapes of New England. But that's really where the conversation started and ended when it came to the environment and climate action. We just were not talking about that at home or at church. And so it wasn't until I went to college, Gordon College, a small Christian school here in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. that I really began to learn about the environmental crisis, about climate change. And I was in a required science class, there by force, and one of the modules was on energy and the environment. And so we started learning about how our own energy consumption in the United States is contributing to this global problem and how it was having impacts around the world and at home here in the States. And so this was the first time I really became aware of the climate crisis, the science around it, and the very real impacts it was going to have on my future and the impacts it was already having around the world and here at home. And I began to become confused why Christians were not talking about this issue. You know, I grew up here and we have to love our neighbors, especially those who have been historically marginalized and the poor. And to me, I see climate action as being directly related to these things. And so I was really frustrated that the church was not talking about it, that this was not a common conversation that was being had. And I wasn't also, I was also unsure how this fit in with what I was studying with communications. And so now I can clearly see the connection between all of these things. But at the time, there wasn't really anyone around to make these connections for me. 
And so after college, I moved to Washington, D.C. and worked a communications job at a different nonprofit. And this was around the time of the 2016 election as well. And so where I was living in a D.C. suburb in Virginia, there was a lot of talk about the Atlantic Coast Pipeline and the Mountain Valley Pipeline and how that would impact some nature spaces I had really grown to love in Virginia and also impact communities. There were proposed routes that would go through homes that would impact water supply. And again, I was really frustrated that the church wasn't talking about this. And I was really passionate and fired up about the issue. And so I started volunteering locally and felt more and more called to engage with this work full time. And that's when an old professor posted the job with EEN and YECA. And at that moment, I saw how my faith, my communications background, and my passion for environmental care and creation care really started to come together. And so that was about five years ago. And now here we are. But wonderful. So now you've been working in this world of, uh, of Christian environmental stewardship then for about five years. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, YECA, Young Evangelicals for Climate Action, which sort of pre-existed you, right? It was, it's, it's, but it's not been around for a terribly long time. Uh, so can you can you give us a little bit more insight about the history of this organization you work for? Yeah, so YECA has been around for 10 years now. We're in our 10th <laughs> year, which is really exciting. And our mission is to train, to empower, and mobilize our generation to take bold and just climate action in their church and community. Mm -hmm. And what's important to know is we're not doing this because we're Democrats or Republicans or even environmentalists. We're doing this because we are followers of Christ and striving to live that out. And I think climate action is a huge part of that. And so the three main ways we go about this work the first is mobilizing our generation. The main way we do that is through our leadership development programs. We have our college fellowship, which has been around for quite a few years now. And we just launched a community fellowship to support young Christians on the front lines of the climate crisis. Hmm. And really our theory of change, the way we go about these programs is providing support, mentorship and resources and training for young people to identify needs in their community and create plans to address them. Young people in their own communities see the needs and they have the unique insight and ability to address those. And so our leadership development programs are designed to equip young Christians to carry out those projects in their community. The second part of our work is engaging with our churches. Like I said, climate change was not something that was really discussed growing up and that story is not necessarily unique. Many people at YECA have similar backgrounds and that their churches are sort of ignoring climate change or just not talking about it as it relates to their faith. And so we really want to engage our churches to kind of change this legacy of inaction to encourage them to draw these connections and really take climate change seriously as a part of our faith. Mm -hmm. And a third part of our work is holding political leaders accountable. Climate change is a big problem that requires a system level response really from all levels of society, including government. And so we wanna advocate for bold, equitable, and just climate policies to address this big problem. Interesting, okay, yeah. I, that brings up a whole bunch of points I wanna want to revisit. There's some interesting stuff in there, but um, but why not just evangelicals for climate action? What, why, why do you wanna specifically focus on, on young people? And is there a definition of what constitutes young? For, uh, for joining your, your group. I'm probably too old, maybe, maybe I'm not. <laughs> I might get in trouble. So we technically define it as 31 <laughs> and under, 
that's 30. not to say if you're 32 you're old okay. that's just the line that we've drawn um so i'm not going to call anyone old here we right. do define it as 31 and under historically we focused on 18 to 31 but we're seeing more and more young folks in high school be involved and we really think hmm. that's an important age group to include as well okay. so why YECA, Why Young Evangelicals, EEN founded YECA out of the recognition of a few things. One, young people do not have the same distrust of science that our parents or older generations may have. We are not as concerned about um, the validity of science, and so young people are more likely to understand the realities of climate change and to be in favor of climate solutions. So there's a generational divide and how young people see climate issues. And we also see studies show that this divide exists within political or within political parties. It's not a partisan thing. Even young Republicans have more favorable views of climate solution than their older counterparts. So this divide exists with all political parties. It's an age gap. And we also know that young people are unique and potent messengers. Studies also show that young people are the best people to talk about climate within their church communities and with their parents. Particularly daughters to fathers have a really powerful line of communication and can really help change hearts and minds for older folks. Yeah. It's also no secret that young people are leaving the church. I find that this is not out of hatred or anger. If anything, it's about frustration at the perceived or very real hypocrisy of not talking about climate change in the environment when we have a very clear calling to care for our neighbor and to care for God's whole created world. Yeah. And so young people are leaving the church. And I think this is a really powerful way that the church can authentically live out its calling and really help to reach young people too. Young people want to see their churches talking about the very real issues of our day, including climate change. Yeah, that's that's great. That's really interesting. Can, can we, uh, can you elaborate on that? Um, father to daughter relationship? Is that something that is coming out of research or is this more just like the experience that we're seeing? Is there some unique relationship there? Is it the fathers that are that are um, that are most most skeptical of, of climate change? Or, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear more about about that specific pattern. That's really interesting. Yeah, so that comes from a study. I'd have to dig it up. I can try to email that um, if you want to include it in show notes or anything. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, that comes from a study, just that young people in general are able to convince their parents and talk to them about climate change. And that correlation just seems to be strongest through daughter and father. I think we see a lot of young women really passionate about climate action as well. So maybe that's part of it. I'd have to dig into that study, and I'm happy to do that after we yeah. talk. Oh, yeah, that's okay. I'm just curious. I, I just... You know, I, I, I'm, I'm deeply fascinated by this pattern of skepticism within Christianity and, and Catholicism, et cetera, and uh, both, you know, what were the causes of it, but also what are the solutions to it? And that's, that's really insightful that, um, that, that fathers might be skeptical of politicians or media, but maybe they're willing to listen to their own children and, and they come in feeling strong that there's something we should be doing something about. They're open to that conversation. Is that kind of in what, what you're finding? And um, I, I mean, so let's, do you have any stories you can share? Of, I know that a lot of the, the young evangelicals that have come to your group frequently are female. Um, are, are they coming back with stories about conversations with their parents? 
Definitely. Mostly because if anything, their parents are intrigued by the opportunities they're taking. Yeah. For example, climate leadership fellows, young people are committing an entire school year to yeah. invest in this fellowship and to carry out this work on their campus. And I think it's a powerful witness for climate action and how they see climate as a part of their faith. I think a lot of times our actions can speak louder than words. I think it's really powerful when older folks and churches and our parents see us really taking this seriously, not just as a cause in the voting booth, but as something that impacts our daily decisions and even our extracurricular commitments. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, you mentioned uh, holding political leaders um, accountable or at least having those conversations. Are, are you meeting with uh, with leaders on both sides of the political spectrum, or are you focusing your attention on, on one party or another? So why you say is nonpartisan, because we know that this is an issue that's going to impact everyone, and it's going to require response from everyone, regardless of political party. Yeah. And so we are really passionate about working with both parties and trying to depolarize this issue, to depoliticize the issue and really make it a matter of faith, a matter of defending life and a matter of justice for both sides. Right now, a huge discussion are the climate provisions and the bill formerly known as Build Back Better. That is still really important that we get those passed. It is not nearly enough, but it is a major step forward and we can't let them leave those climate provisions on the table, even if Build Back Better, as it's called, might not be happening. There's still a very real possibility for those climate provisions. And so there are key players on both sides of the aisle here, and I think it's important that we reach them all. If you wanna see a very recent example, someone in our Climate Advocates Program, which is another leadership development program, wrote a really great LTE in a West Virginia paper to Senator Manchin, encouraging him to take bold climate action. And she wrote it from the perspective as a young person working in the tourism industry. She works at a ski resort and she is seeing how fewer colder days are impacting the tourism industry and the communities locally. And so that's just one example of a young person drawing on her own experiences to call on a member of Congress to take action. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's a little bit of that same pattern of father to daughter as there might be a young person to, to older experienced politician. How do, how do politicians that are maybe on the more conservative side of the spectrum uh, respond to conversations with young Christians, which, which they might see as, you know, sort of their, their future, um, uh, you know, uh, partners in, in political dialogue that might not see eye to eye with them on, on this topic of climate? Overall, I think folks really want to hear from constituents, which is why it's important for anyone listening to reach out directly to your senators, to representatives, to your local leaders, yep. because here in Massachusetts, I can reach out to my own constituency, but it's really important that you reach out to your own folks because I find they really want to hear from you, especially young people. You aren't just future voters, you are current voters. And that's really important. And so I think it's very important to utilize our voices with lawmakers and decision makers seem really open to hearing from young people and we can help you set up a meeting if you wanna meet with folks. I think it's very important. We also often hear the sentiment that you know young people are the leaders of tomorrow 
and young people are gonna make really great progress on climate change. But what I would say to that is we want you to act members of Congress, you're the leaders of today. And no. so I really encourage members of Congress, decision makers at all levels to not just listen to young people, but to follow up on what we say and to take action and to use the role you have now to take serious and bold climate action because unfortunately, the window is closing yeah. and we need to take action right now. Right, right, yeah. And, that, and it seems like the action that you are encouraging people to take, and we can talk about you know, probably a couple different areas, but uh, YECA is, is really kind of a policy-focused organization, uh, as, as I see it, that it, at least one of those engagement points, you, you feel like the greatest opportunity to make change is, is through policy. Is that, is that my, I don't want to put words in your, in your mouth. Is that how you all see it? Is it, it's a, focused on policy um, as opposed to, you know, the conversation around, around the, the, you know, the core science behind it? It's definitely a part of our work. It's a huge yeah. part of our work because like I said, climate change is going to require a bold response from all levels, including government. And so we see the federal government as having a key role in climate action. And so advocacy is a part of our work. I also think towns and cities have a huge role to play. The state level has a role to play. And with folks like our climate leadership fellows, we're also seeing how different institutions like college campuses, particularly Christian college campuses, can make a very real impact as we work towards climate justice. So fellows are advocating for policy change within their schools, encouraging them to divest, encouraging them to start solar panels and just working on culture change where creation care is a part of the life on campus. The campus is recycling and composting. They're bringing in chapel speakers that have to, that talk about creation care and climate action. And so I think that's a really important part of our work as well. Yeah, that's great. I mean, can you, um... I, I imagine you're you're sort of focusing your effort in the areas where you see there's the greatest opportunity for progress. But I'm, I'm just curious, as we think about climate, I feel like so many people uh, report feeling overwhelmed. You know, it's just such a big issue. Uh, what can I do? What, what, what do you think are the opportunities where people can, can get involved, take action, make a difference? Where, where do you encourage people to, to go when they say, what? What can I do to that it's actually going to make a difference? That is a great question. And I think for me, a huge part of finding hope and saying, staying inspired is taking action. Mm -hmm. And so I always encourage folks to find an organization that aligns with their values and that is taking action. If that's why you see it, great. If it's not, that's also great. Find a local group that meshes with your background and your values and get plugged in, show up to events, learn what they're doing and become a part of that movement. Because not only are you gonna find opportunities to take action, but you will find a community. Something that I've really loved is the community I found with YECA, with our steering committee, with folks in our leadership program. And it's just opened up a whole world of like-minded folks around the country who are really passionate and really want to take action. And so at YUCA, there's different ways to get involved. We have our Climate Advocates Program that meets on monthly calls. It includes access to online training modules, and it also opens up different opportunities for engagement. And I've already mentioned our fellowship program. And so if you're interested in leadership development and learning more, we definitely have those tools and resources. 
But like I said, find a group that is local or that really meshes with your values and get plugged in. I think that's a great way to take action, to find community and to ultimately find some hope as well. Yeah, that's great. That's great, great advice. Um, tell, can you tell us more about the, the students that you are working with? What are their backgrounds and what are their experiences that lead them into feeling like YECA is, is going to help them develop the leadership skills they need to, to uh, you know, really move, the, move the, the needle? Well, lots of folks have similar backgrounds in the sense that they see climate action as a key part of their faith, but their church communities are not really talking about those issues. And so they're really excited to find fellow young people, young people of faith who are taking action in all different ways. And so I think that's a huge draw for folks. I also see young folks really motivated by a desire for justice and a desire for improving communities and building more resilient communities. A growth edge for YUCA and I think the climate movement is also the study of eco-anxiety and the ways that mental health and psychology play into the climate crisis. More and more I'm seeing that as an angle that folks take for projects and for their own motivation as well and kind of drawing the connections between our mental and spiritual well-being and what we're seeing in the environment as well. Yeah, can you speak a little bit more to that? I think there's a lot of attention uh, being paid to our you know, mental health crisis that we see in the country. And I, I think some people might not be familiar with that concept that some of this is tied perhaps to, um, to our environmental crisis and climate change. I think you use the word eco-anxiety. Can you just unpack that a little bit What's, for people that might not be familiar with that concept? Definitely. So I have seen in my own life, in the lives of my friends and people I work with, that climate change and ecological disaster can kind of fuel and exacerbate existing mental health struggles, and it can also create new ones. For young people, we are really, really concerned about our future. And so eco-anxiety is basically being anxious about our future in the state of the environment. We're seeing an increase in extreme weather events and the severity of those events, drought, flooding, all sorts of problems that are going to lead to food insecurity. And we have economic injustice that's connected. So all of these things are intertwined, which can fuel extreme anxiety. And I also think depression plays into it. There can be a sense of despair and hopelessness as we look at the weight of the problem. And it looks like many of our leaders are not taking it as seriously as we would like. And so that can seriously fuel some despair. And so if you're looking for resources or to learn more about this, I recommend checking out the Let's Talk About It campaign hosted by the Alliance for Climate Education. YUCA is proud to be a part of that. And there's some great resources for finding mental health support for you. There's also more information about eco-anxiety and we're really encouraging people to destigmatize mental health in general and eco-anxiety by talking about it, sharing the ways that climate and the environment have impacted your own mental health, and also just uplifting stories of hope and resiliency in the face of climate change. Because for all of the despair and eco-anxiety out there, these are also the people who are taking action and getting plugged in with groups and encouraging more folks to join the movement. Because like I said, I think action can be a huge motivator, a huge inspiration, and a way to find hope. And so I definitely think taking action can be a part of that, but we have to make sure we're caring for our spiritual health, our emotional well-being at the same time. 
Yeah, that's great. I mean, I so I had the fortune of talking with <clears throat> Dr. Hayhoe about her recent book, and that was one of the big takeaways from me, which is kind of a no-brainer, but I need a reminder that when you feel despair, just doing something can really help you feel like you're making progress and fretting and it's, it's sometimes just not going to um, uh, be the solution, uh, you know, that, that we, that we look for. And so I, I, that's great advice, you know, giving people a pathway towards, uh, towards action is probably going to be a helpful step in addressing some of that, you know, some of that anxiety. Um, I wonder if we can talk about the, um, the, the, the climate crisis in general. It, it, from, from my perspective, it feels like it's, that discussion is, is evolving. Um, that do, do you think that we're moving beyond um, a, a debate about is it happening, isn't it happening, is it humans, isn't it humans, to what are we going to do about it? Are, are we making that progress or are we still stuck in the, you know, is this really a problem question? How is this discussion changing for our eyes? I have seen a change within my last five years at YECA, and I've also asked for stories from previous YECA leaders and their experience, and I definitely think it has changed. When YECA first started, a lot of conversations were around, is climate change even happening? Are humans contributing? Should Christians even be involved in this discussion? Are you sure you're not just a bunch of liberals trying to convince us? Yeah. Are you just big government? And the conversations have moved from that towards, okay, climate change is happening, humans are the cause, and we're talking more about solutions and response. And so I think this is a hopeful step forward because we're no longer debating the science of climate change, the reality of the climate crisis. Yep. Instead, we're talking about how to respond. And so a lot of discussions are about what Christian involvement could look like, what the solution from government should be, and we're more talking about things like cost and policy and response than mm -hmm. science. And that's not to say there are pockets that aren't still questioning science or if humans are contributing, that still exists. But overall, I think we're trending more towards discussing response and policy as opposed to science. That's, that's encouraging to hear. I mean, it's my, my, my impression is you see that same trend in the conversations you have with with politicians, are they also willing to kind of say, yes, this is a concern, let's debate or discuss how we want to deal with it? Or it, I guess, are, is, the, is the discussion different with someone in your church versus someone in political leadership versus somebody, you know, that's uh, involved in, in local government or, or you know, different uh, spheres of influence within, within this bigger picture discussion about the climate? It's a great question. The conversations might be different with a politician versus a member of our church, but ultimately why I say we're coming at this from the angle of our faith. And so we tried to talk about this through the lens of our faith and to build on shared values. Mm -hmm. I think hopefully the conversation is evolving with elected officials. When YSA was started, climate change was not really being discussed on the national stage. YSA started in 2012, which was an election year, mm -hmm. and the major candidates weren't really talking about climate change or the environment. And I think we've seen a shift. I would say it was not talked about enough in the last election, but it was still a talking point, regardless of political party. People were asking about climate, clean energy, and the environment. And so hopefully these conversations are becoming more prevalent 
And I think it's really important that we continue to talk about it and raise it. I think it's an issue that relates to a lot of other issues that people are concerned about. Health, public safety, we saw the connections between COVID and the environment, particularly in frontline communities, because COVID was exacerbating and impacting people with existing health conditions, particularly respiratory issues. And we see that black communities and communities of color, low wealth communities have higher rates of respiratory illnesses because they are living on the fence line of toxic pollution sites and industrial pollution. And so the hospitalization and death rates were higher in those communities. And so we're seeing these connections and we're seeing how climate and the environment relate to things people already care about, including the economy and job growth, the ability to provide for our family and have economic security. These issues aren't separate. And so I think there's a huge opportunity to draw those connections and to help voters, people in church to see how our share, our existing values and things we care about do connect to climate. Yeah, that's great. That's encouraging to hear. Um, as you as you work forward and look look for look into the, the near future of this this you know pending election and uh, and the policy that will evolve out of um, you know on the federal level what are the what's what's your wish list for for yeca what are the what are the topics that you really would love to see move forward and get a voice and maybe you know get get put into law definitely so right now even before the upcoming midterm election we really want to see the climate provisions and build back better. That includes permanent protection for the Arctic refuge. That includes a new civilian climate core, civilian conservation core, because economic justice has to be an important part of any climate solution, as well as racial justice. It's very important that as decision makers move towards implementing the Infrastructure Act that is already signed into law and rolling out, that we uphold those Justice 40 commitments, yeah. the commitment that 40% of investments and benefits from policy will impact the communities most impacted by climate change. Yeah. It's important that we hold those up and that Justice 40 commitments are included in climate provisions moving forward. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great list. I wonder if you might be able to share some of the stories of the, you know, it sounds like so much of your work is in leadership training and, uh, you work with these young people that are full of energy and excited to get to work and, you know, work with you for a year or more and then go off uh, and, and engage in other spheres as well. Um, can you just give us some, some of the stories of, uh, of what's come from the, the fruits of your labor? Definitely. So many come to mind. Uh, share one story. So, we had a fellow at Gordon College and she worked really hard to get solar panels on campus. And she did that to the vehicle of the senior class gift. And so she engaged with the committee and she was able to ultimately get those solar panels on the Gordon College campus. And she is also a great example of someone who was a part of our program and stayed plugged in with YUCA. While programs like our fellowship might be limited to one year, we hope folks stick around and we have seen that more often than not. We have numerous former project leaders and fellows on our steering committee and involved with YUCA in other ways. And so that has been really encouraging. One story that comes to mind is truly from just last week, 
one of our fellows at Pepperdine University organized a food recovery event as students were moving out of their dorms and various campus housing. And she mm-hmm. collected over 2000 pounds of food from folks who were moving out. And then they delivered it to local shelters and food banks, which is so exciting because it helps food recovery and it's also contributing to the local community. That's a I just heard a story. Okay. Yeah, it's incredible. I just heard a story from a fellow at Whitworth University who hosted an event on Earth Day on eco-psychology. So as we talk about eco-anxiety and how that plays in, she is a psychology student and is really passionate about that connection and creating resources. So she held an event just to talk about it, for people to share their stories and to provide resources. And she had over 150 students show up to this event. And they didn't just show up and take some food and leave. They showed up and engaged. She wow. had a pl- she did some planting and so students could take some plants home and do some gardening. And folks came for that and continued to stick around and they took all of her resources. She had to go and print more. And yeah. so, so many people showed up more than she had anticipated to have these conversations about faith, climate, and psychology. And so that's just a really cool, encouraging story I heard this week from some work going on from our current fellows. That is great to hear. I mean, it just sort of speaks to this, how much hunger there is for this conversation. And, you know, it kind of brings us back to where we started, where people like you and, and me that were feeling like, what, why isn't this conversation happening in our church? You know, why do I have to go somewhere else to, to have this dialogue about caring for neighbor, caring for the earth, caring for our own mental well-being? It's really encouraging to hear the students um, get, getting to work on that. That's, that's really positive. So I, I wonder, what's, what's the future of, of YECA? Our, our, uh, our, you know, and, and how can people... We have young people that are hearing this and thinking it might be a good opportunity for them. How do they reach out and get involved or apply to become a fellow? Thank you for asking that question. <laughs> if you want to learn more, head to yecaction.org, yecaction.org. You can also Google us. I believe we'll show up right away. Yep. And so there's lots of different ways you can involve. You can sign up for our mailing list. You can do that under blog on our website to make sure you're getting our monthly newsletters and any other action alerts or important information. I promise we do not send a lot of emails. You will not be receiving an email from us every day. That is my promise to you. And so be sure to sign up for emails just to stay plugged in with what's going on with YECA. And that's also where you'll find out about different action opportunities. Our college fellows applications are closed for the year. We have selected our cohort for the upcoming year, but our climate advocates program is always open. It's a really short application. If you're a young person who wants to get involved, it's a really quick application and that'll earn you access to online training modules and monthly calls to find community there. And if you are interested in the fellowship, keep an eye out next year for applications around February. And if you are a young Christian uh, in a frontline community, our community fellowship will be opening up for applications this summer. And so that's an opportunity that is newer to YUCA and that we're really excited to share. And ultimately, if you're curious about our work, just check out our website and learn more. We also always appreciate prayers and encouragement. So please do keep our ministry in your prayers. And if you feel so led, we are funded. We are a nonprofit and we are funded by donors. So if you feel led, you are free and encouraged to donate, and we'd be really thankful for that support as well. Yeah, yeah, great, great use of, of funds. So, so grateful for the work of 
uh, of UTORI and of Young Evangelicals for Climate Action and for the Evangelical Environmental Network. Uh, so appreciate your your willingness and your eagerness to to speak into that. Uh, what I think what used to be a void, but hopefully is no longer such of, of uh, you know calling for uh, uh, justice and and care for the environment within the the Christian Church in, in North America. So uh, really appreciate your coming on. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, so grateful for for your work. Thank you so much for the invitation. It was great to chat about our work. Thank you for giving me the chance to share about YUCA and to uplift some really exciting stories. I sure. appreciate it, Dale. Yeah, great. We'll, we'll put all the uh, all the references in the show notes and uh, certainly look out for Tori and YECA as you're looking for um, for talking points and for opportunities to get involved and and help the church engage with climate. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Disciple Science podcast. At Disciple Science, we believe that integrating science and Christian faith can inspire a fuller knowledge of God. We produce this podcast and our videos to help you connect with God through nature. We are a crowdfunded nonprofit based in St. Paul, Minnesota. And if you want to support us and help us make more videos and podcasts, you can give by visiting our website at disciplescience.com. I want to thank Caleb Davis for producing this episode and for composing our theme music. I'm Dale. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon.